Hey guys. What is up? It's Allison. And Kevin. And it is Parshat Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. The life of Sarah? Yeah, which is ironic because the first thing that happens in this week's Parsha is that she passes away. But she also, to some extent, passes on her legacy. Um, her son Yitzchak gets married to Rivka, and we learn about the next matriarch. I feel like a lot of us have lived a lifetime <laughs> in the past month. It's crazy that we had a month this week. Yeah. I don't know if we, we lived a lifetime or experienced, like, a different uh, world that we're now feels like we're inhabiting just in terms of the Jewish people, like similar to like that uh, passing on of the torch, like a passing on to like a, a different reality. Yeah. And that like legacy that Sarah left, um, I, I like that's something like she passed on all that. Like there's an idea that Sarah passed on all of this Torah and knowledge to Yitzchak and that once she heard about the Akita that he was completely dedicated. Like, she didn't die from the shock. She died from, like, okay, my, my life's work is complete. I was really able to pass on these these lessons and these teachings to my son. Um, ah. Her whole life's work was makarating people, bringing people closer. The souls that they made in Kharan, it says that Sarah brought in the women. So that was her life's work. She was dedicated to Jewish thought, Jewish, Jewish life. And... When Yitzchak meets Rivka, it says he brings her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, mm-hmm. and that Yitzchak is also very cognizant that he wants um, this person that he's marrying to be similar to his mother. Maybe very Freudian there. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but I think something that at least I'm seeing right now is a deep connection to that legacy, right? Like people are turning towards it. People are seeking community. People are seeking meaning, seeking their Judaism in a way that they haven't before. Um, yeah, there's definitely like a strong sense of tradition that I think people are trying to tap into because um, it feels like kind of uncharted territory, but there is somewhat of like a like a like a charted path. This past week at work, uh, we have. A Jewish employee resource group. ERG. And as a part of that, one of the things that I suggested was that we do a mezuzah event. And mezuzah is something that we put up on our doors. And it's supposed to be a um, feeling of comfort, a feeling of that God is protecting us in our homes, but in all the different spaces that we navigate, whether we're coming into our home or leaving our homes, whether we're going into a work environment or a friend environment or a family environment, try to be mindful of how we show up in those spaces. And you don't you don't know how to navigate. So we we hold on to the mezuzah, we touch it, we we reach for it in that that liminal moment. And one of the other things they mentioned that it's part of like the door frame. Like it's a part of the foundation of the house. It's like connected to the home. It's a, almost like a beam, like a like a point of stability. Mm. when other things feel shaky. But at the same time, just like you were trying to get people to put up their mezuzahs, people are feeling closer to their Yiddishkeit. Some people are moving away from it. Right. Um, oh, or they're moving maybe more inward. Like one of the things that we talked about was in this environment, are you, you know, like, oh, I have to put on my Jewish star necklace or maybe I should tuck it into my shirt or maybe I should only wear it at home or... 
there's a really crazy product that I saw called the Camozuza, which is this camouflage mezuzah. And it looks like kind of like a key fob alarm that you just like scan or that like something that like beeps. And it's this covert mezuzah so that people don't recognize that you have a mezuzah up. And other people were asking me at this event, is it okay if I put it on the inside of my door where I had a friend whose mezuzah got taken down and like, I just don't know if I can go through that, like if that happened to me. Um, so I think people want to reach for tradition, but do they want to reach for that tr tradition and show it to the world or do they just want to, you know, go deeper into their cave. And it's so funny because when you told me about the camo mezuzah, whatever the product's called, I was like, that's awesome. It's like an alarm system, like showing that the mezuzah is protection for your home and that that's all you need. Um, but no, that, that wasn't necessarily the design intended behind it, but I think that it still stands true. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, and the mezuzah, the, one of the reasons that it is connected to protection is just one reason is that it talks about when we were leaving Egypt that we put up uh, the blood and the doorposts and it says the mezuzah and it's not that Hashem needed to know oh this is a Jewish house versus this is a non-Jewish house but we ourselves needed to identify ourselves within Egyptian society as we are different than the, the culture we are putting up the blood on our doorpost um, and then specifically with that you shall write them on your doorposts of your home and your gateways so that you are able to continue to extend the days or extend your time on the land. Um, and that there's a deep connection between mezuzah and like extending our time by, by being proud, by painting the blood on our doorposts. Well, in that verse, it also says, um, a la art, right? It talks about not that you'll just extend the length of your time, but also in the land. Um, and again, there's this deep connection between everything in Judaism and our ties to the land of Israel. Um, and one thing that I remember learning a while back about this week's Parsha was <laughs> about Avraham's negotiation for Marat Machpila, trying to buy the burial plot for Sarah. And um, the the dude, what's his name? Ephron. Ephron. Ephron was like, Ephron, the dude. You know who I was talking about. <laughs> the dude. Um, he says, I'll give it to you for free. Right? And so how how are we supposed to understand that? What's one way to think about him saying, I'll give it to you for free? That like, uh, you could kind of have it, maybe. That like, you know, I'll, I'll give you it, but maybe it was just a gift. I don't know. Yeah, so so I think one of the classic readings is just like he wants to give it to him for free, and Avram's like, no, no, I'm gonna pay for it. I want to make sure that this is indisputably my land, which again is a theme all throughout Torah. It's the first Rashi and Bereshit. The the first Rashi talks about our claims to the land. Here again, we see claims to the land, making it and trying to make it as indisputable as possible. Avram purchased that land again. Chevron is very contentious. Um, but our contentious topic for some, but and it also has a history that's like one of the first places where there was a mass killing of Jews. The town of Hebron, there was an ancient Jewish community there, and then in 1929, people in Hebron were massacred by uh, specifically the Slobodka Yeshiva or the Hebron Yeshiva there. Um, and uh, some of the people killed, two of them were uh, American students who were, who were learning there. Um, 
And it's really powerful to read their letters. One of the things that they talk about is that coming from America, that uh, just being here in Hebron for a month, my whole life has changed, my mm-hmm. my worldview, and that there's there's this intuition that you get in the land of Israel that uh, I feel very lacking here. Yeah. I can't imagine any of the protesters that you saw this week outside the new school or anywhere else have heard of that. Um, but that's besides the point. But but another reader here, Ephron's, I'll give it to you for free, is very, very uh, Middle Eastern in a way, right? You're at the Shuk. Someone has a, a really beautiful, I don't know, necklace or whatever. And you're like, oh, that looks gorgeous. I'll give you $12 for it. And they're like, $12? Take it for free. Take it, Just take it. Like, obviously, they're not giving it to you, but it's kind of like a back at you. Right. Um, and. Like, you, that you lowballed me so much. Like, yeah. oh, I may as well give it to you for free. Like, if, you know, but why would I even take $12 for something that's worth $1,200? Like, you're asking for it for free. Right, exactly. And I think that that little episode in the Sikhs Parsha kind of reminds me of how sometimes we're not speaking the same language mm. with the people that we're, that we're facing, that we're confronting, that we're having these negotiations with, so to speak. Yeah, there's a book that I come back to all the time called Nonviolent Communication by Marshall or Moshe Rosenberg. <laughs> um, and it, it really talks about having a shared language. And I think one of the things that you see with Abraham um, and also with, with Eliezer when trying to find a wife for Eliezer being Abraham's servant, trying to find a wife for uh, Yitzchak, Avram's son, is a sense of pragmatism. Um, like Ephron is like, oh, just take it for free. Like it's very, it's very like lofty. Like it's either you know all or nothing. Like either take it for free or you know like pay me a million dollars or something. Like I don't know. It doesn't feel connected to reality. Where Avram's like, no, that's like, is it going to be a hundred? Is it going to be two hundred? Like what are we talking about? And um, Eliezer, when he's davening, when he's praying for to find. Uh, a spouse for Yitzhak, um, he says, like, show me a sign, maybe someone who, who shows a sense of, of chesed, of kindness. And then what, is, what does he get back? He gets, Hashem responds, and he finds someone who has chesed and emet, who has kindness and truth. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a sense of, like, you can be like, oh, show me, you know, the perfect person who has this and this and this. Like, no, just give me, give me a little window. There, there's almost like a pragmatism that I've been thinking about um, or trying to think about with like uh, with Hashem. Maybe that's the wrong way to pray and maybe that's the right way to pray, to pray for like things that are realistic or no, when you pray, that's specifically the time to like shoot for the moon because Hashem could fulfill anything. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, how do you, and your davening bin, has it been more pragmatic or more in the air? Well, I think neither. Uh... <laughs> The way that I kind of see davening in general is more so like trying to align myself to the philosophies and teachings and statements that are in our sitter that make up our the, the, our beliefs. Um, and so as I daven, I just try to affirm those statements mm. the most. That's kind of what's happening there. Has there been like personal requests, like inside or outside of davening that you've been thinking about? I mean... Yes, <laughs> but that's not the bulk of my top, right? That's like Shema Kolenu and Shimon Esrei. And what have you been dominant for? 
what have I been dabbling for? Um, obviously, the release of captives, the safety of our soldiers, that people who are experiencing loss find comfort, mm. um, that certain family members should be healthy and stay strong. Um, there, there's lots to daven for. That I could do a better job at, at and have more strength right. to to be a, a community leader in the way that I'd want to be, which I don't necessarily feel like I have the strength to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's all very exhausting. And one of the things that at least when we first heard about the hostages was this impossibility of like, it can't be that we try to eradicate Hamas and release the hostages like right one or the other one or the other it's like so yeah I think davening is is really the place where like as you're saying like both like we should you know be successful in, in having peace soon and having um the safety returned to the state of Israel but also for people to return safely to their families and that it's a really difficult um balance pragmatically but in and you know the worlds of Shemayim in, in the heavens like both can can be there and hopefully we see that brought into our lives yeah I mean it's definitely a time where people have a lot of questions or feel like there's a lot of injustice mm. um just like my whole YouTube feed is like testimonies from October 7th right it's like all I'm watching just like not the healthiest for me but and also, like, davening for those survivors, like, they've lived through something really unspeakable um, and beyond painful and uh, that they should be able to pick up their pieces. But it's so, it, it makes you question. Right. I think one of the things that's been at least helpful for me is is talking about it, though. Um, and, and just, see, like, we see kind of the first Jewish funeral in Chai Sarah that like Sarah dies and then it says Avram mourns for her and that he, he gives like a eulogy and that um, when we experience loss, we have a tradition of people sitting and the community coming to console them. Um, my brother was saying this week how he went to the funeral of uh, this, <clears throat> I think, soldier um, in Jerusalem who was unfortunately stabbed and killed uh, in the old city and how they read like her bat mitzvah speech there, which was really powerful. Um, and to be, to be a part of the Jewish people, we, we, we mourn and we, um, try to bring comfort to, to the family and to each other and seeing these testimonies and praying for, for that comfort to come by, uh, speaking it out and, and talking it out. And, and at least for me, this this has been a forum for us to yeah. just like discuss what's on our mind and talk it out of all the craziness that we see, which is, is is difficult. Yeah. Another topic that we didn't get to. <laughs> I just wanted to throw out there because it's just so absurd this week. Um, and it's a short job, so we're going to try to keep this short. But Kevin and I went to go, and it's a complete pivot. I just wanted to throw it out there because I, I want to warn no, we'll, we'll, we'll connect it. We'll connect it. We're going to connect it. it it's okay. all Torah. It all comes Beautiful. together. So we went to go see a show very impromptu last night. Okay. I don't want to name names because the producers are Jewish. So 
title I should hire you. But it was it was the worst show I've ever seen in my life. It's so bad. It was we couldn't sit through it. Everyone also every six seconds there was a laugh. <laughs> like really obnoxious, loud, in your face. Um and it was just such bad writing, acting. I just didn't get it. I didn't connect to it at all. It wasn't funny. I looked at Kevin and I'm like, are we supposed to be drunk? Like, was there like a, a bar outside that you're supposed to go get smashed and then go in and watch this? Because none of this is making sense. Yeah. I was also like, are these people who are laughing, are they paid actors? Are they right. plants? Someone must like, have been planted. Like to laugh. And then they, they had every, and then people just like go into this like group mentality of like, okay, they're laughing. So like, I guess I should laugh too. Yeah. It was like one of the strangest experiences. We left 25 minutes in, which I think was 24 minutes too long. But um, I've never left a Broadway show before, but it was it was horrible. Um, also, part of the plot was like, yeah, we're just going to work in this. This is like basically the script. Because every Broadway show needs to have a cause that it speaks about. We're going to talk about Nazis. And then the next scene was about dead babies. And I was like, this is just not hitting right. And also, did they consider for a second maybe to take that out, given the political climate? Like the whole thing was just so awful. Um and so now you're going to connect it because you said you would. Yeah. So I think what you were talking about before with, with Sarah, that um, it was enough. She saw that she had passed on her values <laughs> and that she she felt like, okay, I see that the tradition is going to continue. Um, and it's been a difficult thing feeling like, okay, I've seen enough. Because yeah. there's, there's always that spark of hope of like, yeah. oh, maybe the, the show is going to turn around maybe this you know will be there um and this week i uh there's three things three conversations that i had which were pretty disturbing one was with someone tearing down a sign and of the hostages of the hostages hung up in new york and i asked him i'm like why are you doing that he's like well are you hanging up you know palestinian hostages I'm like what are their names and they're like you only care about your own people you people are disgusting and i left that feeling like Oh, I could have done more. I could have like said this. Oh, this would have been a better rebuttal. And then I spoke to someone else near the new school and they were saying, I was like, well, how do you feel about like kids being taken captive? And they're like, generally I'm against it, but you know, if someone is doing it for their freedom, well then, and I was like, oh, I should have said this, 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 leaving that conversation. And someone else I spoke to was like, you know, I'm nothing against Jews. And even in the Hamas uh, charter, it says that they only want to kill Zionists. It doesn't say Jews. And I was like, that's only in the addendum that they made in 2017 after writing it in the 1980s. So they had uh, 30 years of being pretty explicit that they want to kill all Jews. And I was like, oh, I should have said this, 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 and worded it. And with leaving the show, I always have this optimism of like, uh, you know, maybe it'll turn around. Maybe it'll it'll be good. But with the mezuzah, we say shah die. And that part of like when you come home, it's like die means enough. And then we have to believe in Hashem that uh, we did enough, even though we feel like we, we haven't been able to do enough. And there's so much more to do. And there's so many better things that we could have said and we could have done and that we should have done. But hopefully uh, when we come home, we come to Shabbos, we say die. We say shah die. That Hashem, you've uh, you've provided us enough, and that we've uh, we've tried to do enough, mm. and that sometimes you know we don't have the energy, we don't have the fortitude to continue watching the show. It's just a train wreck unfold. And when we were leaving, we were like, I was like, finally, like the second we left the the room, 
I, I felt like I could finally breathe again because it was just so awful. And um, there were two women that were leaving. They had their coats on. They looked like they were also leaving. And I was like, that show was horrible, right? Oh, my God. You and Melissa. <laughs> I like went off. And then I realized that they were staff <laughs> and they weren't seeing the show. And they're like, what? You're leaving? Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, uh, OK, thanks anyway. Bye. <laughs> Not my taste. <laughs> <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. But I think that that's also a metaphor for like, we are just going through a different reality than everyone else around us. And sometimes we try to seek people to see, to be like, are you also feeling this? And like, they're not. They're not also feeling this. The people who don't have that connection to Israel, to what's going on, it's, they're living in a, we're living in a completely different reality. And uh, that's just something that we're going to have to, learn to cope with and, and find comfort in being with the people who are closest to us who do feel yeah that show was crazy <laughs> <laughs> but shabbos is a time where we proudly enter a new reality a reality of, of tranquility of connection of community and i hope that we're able to uh enter the shabbat by saying enough that we spent six days of the week creating the world trying to build in the ways that we can and shabbat comes and we rest and we, we become soulful again we tap into uh, that reality of the infinite. And I hope uh, we're able to tap into that. And have a beautiful Shabbos. Thanks for listening. Good Shabbos. Shabbat Shalom.